If you're like me, the first thing you do when traveling is check out what's happening with the local food scene, right? And as I've been planning my big book tour and live podcast tapings all around the country, man, I am very excited to eat my way across the nation. There's Atlanta, there's Miami, and so many more. Going to local restaurants gives you a great taste of that place. And if you pay your bill with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum Amex, you get double miles at restaurants. Getting a taste of local food is the best way to get to know the local culture. And if you travel, you know that's how it's done. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Famous Amos chocolate chip cookies are so iconic that I just say Famous Amos and it's like I can taste it. Each cookie is filled with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. And the word satisfying is very key there because some cookies are crunchy and brittle, and I don't like that. But Famous Amos has a deep, tooth-sinkable, satisfying crunch that I know and love. And Famous Amos classic bite-sized chocolate chip cookies are bringing back the original recipe that everyone knows and loves. One perfect bite, everything classic in a cookie. Find Famous Amos cookies anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. I don't typically like English muffins. What? I don't, I don't know. I've just never What's really. What's wrong with you? English muffins I'm, are so, you know, you just reminded uh, me that I want to buy some. They're yeah. so good. I guess I just, I grew up on biscuits. Biscuits were a foundational piece of like breakfast bread. But how do you feel about bagels? Uh, also, I, I've come around on bagels. Bagels took me a minute, but bagels are. But you know that there's a lot bagels. of bad bagels out there. Yeah. This is the only place I will eat bagels. Like if I'm That's in, good. Means you have a palate. Yeah. <laughs> Hi Dan. You. I appreciate that. You see how you see how I deal with Dan all the time. Have you ever considered that you're sensitive? Uh, that I'm just normal? Have you no, thought about that? I've considered that I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. And today on the show, we're doing one of my favorite things. We're going to take your calls and settle your food disputes. But first, I want to introduce two very special guests who are going to help me out. They are Brittany Luce and Eric Eddings, co-hosts of the podcast for Colored Nerds. Hey, Brittany and Eric. Hey. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much. I'm psyched to have you both here. Um, now, we should just set you up a little bit. For Colored Nerds was a podcast that the two of you started independently a while back. Then you segued to co-hosting The Nod for a few years. Yeah. And now you have relaunched for Colored Nerds to much enthusiasm. Very exciting. For folks who haven't heard it, how would you describe the show? It's a weekly show about black culture, which means we talk about, you know, music, TV, movies, food, art, literature, all those things. But also it's a show about friendship because Eric and I have been friends for like 16 years. Um, we've been working together for seven years, nice. which blows my mind every impossible day. Impossible to imagine. I, it's, it's, <laughs> that we've it, made it this long. It's impossible to imagine we've made it this far. Um, but yeah, also like, you know, I'm, I'm sure Eric and I are going to get into a fight at some point in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And if you like that, you're going to love for colors. Yeah, I love for colors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what that's a lot of what I love about your show is that I feel like there's always a lot of thoughtful and you know, insightful discussion about culture, but it's, you know, there's also the relationship between the two of you, which almost makes the show feel serialized from one episode to the next. <laughs> Interesting. You know, yeah. Topics may change, but there's always Brittany and Eric to check in on. And then that, that makes it feel like an ongoing story, which I really appreciate. Well, thank you. That's such a, I, I, that's that's a, a really such an awesome way, way yeah. yeah, to think about the show. Um, and as you said, Brittany, 
food is one of the aspects of culture that is a, mm-hmm. a topic on For mm-hmm. Color Nerds. Um, and I know that you both have strong opinions about food, especially you, Brittany. I hope you, I, I'm going to classify you as the one with with the hotter hot takes. Yes. <laughs> it's accurate. Accurate. That's Are they true. valid? Are they yeah. valid? Hmm. They're valid. They're valid. I Let the people know. decide. Yeah. And one of these hot takes is about the correct way to eat wings. So we should get into that. And just to set it up a little. So now, Eric, you've said that for colored nerds might not exist without Popeyes. That's, it's a fact. We would actually meet at Popeyes to discuss what we were going to do on the show. Or before we had, like, big business meetings, for good luck, we would meet at Popeye's. Mm-hmm. It was always just a safe space. But, Brittany, I understand you and Eric have some disagreements about the correct way mm. to eat the wings at Popeye's. Well, you know what? Eric and I don't have a disagreement. Eric has a disagreement this, with the rest of the no. human race about how to eat wings. <laughs> That's the big issue. Okay, so the thing is, is that one day Eric and I were at Popeye's. Eric got wings, and... We were eating, we were talking, and I noticed that he had left the wing tip. The wing tip, for people who are not familiar with whole chickens, is that third little little flap that comes on the pointy thing that comes on chicken wings. The bones are typically pretty hollow, and when they're fried and covered in some sort of breading mm. or flour coating, this is where we start they are delicious is- to eat. I threw one away. Yes, in front he of threw you. it away. He threw it away. <laughs> wow. And that's the thing that blew my mind. When I saw that go into the little garbage receptacle, I was just like, why are you wasting food? And then I realized that he didn't eat wingtips. And I, I, I was picture like, the wingtip going into the garbage in slow motion, like flying through the air and Brittany like it. lunging after it, like, no. <laughs> I threw it like a basketball. It was actually right. a really good shot. Right. Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. Like, oh, oh, look at me. So, Eric, how do you respond? You're, you're, you're not a wingtip guy? I I think wingtips are a vestigial product of the chicken. I don't think they are essential to a a happy wing experience. I think wingtips do have a purpose. It is making stock. There are like little weird bones in there. And my thing is like, I know, but I don't want to have to go through all that. I want some good, like, (laughs) I want the the wing meat. I'm not into just chewing on collagen. It's salty. That's fine. It's not collagen. This is how I know you've never even been into one because the way you just described it is <laughs> well, it not says, even it, correct. Okay, whatever. No, I think, yeah, it's. I, I mean, I I, I got to side with Brittany on this one. Like when I make the turkey at Thanksgiving, wow. when that mm, turkey comes out of the oven, mm. the first thing that I do is snap off the wingtips, the charred, crunchy, mm. fatty, salty wingtips, and mm-hmm. just chomp down on those things when they are hot and you crunch right through it is the crunchiest bite of a bird that you can experience mm. without eating straight bone mm-hmm. you know Thank dan you. i i've i've trusted your opinions for so long and really <laughs> never ever doubted you until mm. this exact mm. moment because mm-hmm. you are wrong it's just taking up space that's that's a bite of the amazing mashed potatoes or like anything else in your plate, in your You're talking buffet. about like stomach space? Yeah, stomach space. I don't think, you don't, you don't need it. You don't. No, this is the thing. You don't understand. It's a vital part of the experience. It's just like, okay, everybody knows what's the best sandwich that they sell at Wendy's. It's a junior bacon cheeseburger. Everybody knows that. <laughs> like the ratio of it is correct. The price point is amazing. The dependability, you know, it's never going to be off the menu. That's like going to Wendy's, getting a junior bacon cheeseburger and being like, you know what? I want to eat two more fries. Let me <laughs> peel the bacon off of this because it's going to give me more room. You're taking away an essential part of the experience. One more quick question. Eric, I understand that you are a big fan of soup. 
Yes. Oh, so man. like if wing chips are like one of the crunchiest things that you can eat, soup is like on the opposite extreme. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I love soup. It, I love pretty much every iteration or type of soup. Doesn't matter temperature outside. You, you guys were in New Orleans, and of all the things to eat there, Eric got soup. Is that right? It was like he at a bar or something, too, right? But yes. Explain how we ended oh, up. At this bar. You know, we were out like hopping around. And we got to this really, well, I thought it was a really nice bar. We were all excited to kind of hang out at the bar. The music is mm-hmm. good. And I'm there, I'm ordering a drink, and they have soup. They have pho. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was the most perfect combination of things. Good music, like the bar atmosphere, you know, refreshing alcoholic beverage. And pho at the bar, congregating, fellowshipping with my friends. It's, it's, it's perfect. All bars should serve pho. Yeah, I mean, soup as bar food is an interesting concept. Because most, at least in the U.S., most bar food is like finger food. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it for me that is important, I actually think soup is the, like, social lubrication we really need. Because you can't, you have to be who you are when you eat soup. If you are, you have to, I think you have to be your fullest self when you eat soup. There are the people who, you know, they try to like hide and try to be like dainty with it. There are folks who like are just kind of getting in that bowl or like even putting it to their mouths, drinking the broth. You can see the true essence of a person by how they eat soup. So you're saying, Eric, like, like if a person eats soup with gusto, it's an indication that they have more of like a general lust for life. Absolutely. They take life by the reins. You know, like what, what is a little splatter on your shirt? Right. If, but they don't know. have so much lust for life that they'll bite into a wingtip. Well, everybody Ooh. has to have boundaries, you know, like <laughs> what are we, you know, are we, are we people? Are we animals? This, this like, is flimsy are... for me, Eric. This is, this is not working for me. This is feeling flimsy. I think it I'm holds up. Being honest with you. Uh, uh, I'm going to own it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I think we have established that the two of you are great friends. You have a lot of opinions about food. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, we asked listeners to call in with their food related disputes, arguments, disagreements with friends or loved ones. And now, Brittany and Eric, it's time for you to help mediate some of these disputes. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Born ready. All right, let's go to the phones. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Jesse from the Bronx. I'm in my school in Manhattan. Jesse, I hear some church bells in the background. That can confirm that you're somewhere in in a noisy, (laughs) cacophonous place. Jesse, how old are you? I am 13 years old. I just want to confirm, Jesse, you're in school. Are you missing class right now? (laughs) Good question. Yeah, I convinced my teacher to let me miss class. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, I think this call is going to take a long time. I yeah, Jesse. We spent a lot of time unpacking these issues. <laughs> we got to dig deep. And I'm, <laughs> dig deep. I'm currently sitting in the principal's office. Oh, oh, wow. All right. Most quiet wow. place in the building. All right. So, Jesse, what can we do for you? So, a couple weeks ago in class, we were uh, discussing how to have a respectful argument and discussion prompts. And my teacher like asked my class if we have any ideas for like an argument that people are having. So a friend of mine, he brought up that I put ice in my milk, Mm. which he finds to be outrageous. (laughs) And he once saw me drinking the milk with ice and he was like, that's insane. And then he brought it up in class. I started to explain my reasoning and everybody in my class, I'm not in a very large class. It's only 10 people, but the other eight people go on his side. Oh, my gosh. That's rough, man. Can you summarize for us what was your argument and what was his argument? So his argument is that the 
milk, when you put the ice in it, it becomes watery. But my argument is that I am not drinking milk slow enough. It's not like if I take a sip and put it down and then pick it up back up again, it's going to have a completely different taste. When it, the milk is in the fridge, it's already cold. Mm-hmm. But when there's really a lot of ice in it, it like... It hits different. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's different. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. I actually, I, I don't, I'm lactose intolerant now, but the first 17 years of my life, I was a big milk drinker and I often drank it with ice. What do you typically drink milk with? I don't drink milk like a full glass of milk on a daily basis. I have over the past week to prepare for today. <laughs> Bravo. We appreciate he's, he's yeah, preparing. He's doing you. research. Very good. Your teachers have taught you well, Jesse. Like you can't go wrong with a glass of milk with like cookies. Yeah. Spicy foods like are notoriously like hand in hand with milk. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried taking a glass of milk, like pouring a glass of milk and putting the glass of milk in the freezer for 10 minutes, maybe? It's not going to freeze solid in that time, but it will chill the milk closer to the temperature that you want it to be without having to add ice. I have not tried that, but here's my issue with that is that I have a decent sized fridge that has a freezer that is much smaller Mm. and it would be very hard to fit the glass of milk in the freezer so that it's not knocked down without completely reorganizing my freezer. Also, it's not instant. You know what I mean? Like you can put the ice in the glass and put the milk on top and it's like done in a snap. It's not like I'm like, oh, I really want milk in 10 minutes. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, Fair enough, fair enough. I also want to add that nobody else in my class has tried milk with ice. Mm. So I think they have a more reasonable argument if they like take a glass, right. put milk in, and then put ice in. And as someone who's done their research, you know, you feel a lot more confident in that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in order for the ice to chill the milk, the ice has to melt at least a little. Now, I understand you're saying um, you drink it fast enough that it doesn't melt a lot. But whatever, to whatever degree there is some watering down of the milk, you, you th- that's a feature, not a bug, as far as you're concerned. Yes. So if my research is correct, milk is about 90% water. I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Even if the little bit of water gets in, actually, it's not that significant of a difference as one might think it to be. You've got great school. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Because, I mean, like the empirical evidence that you are pulling up this is like an episode of Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> really and truly, it's just like Law and Order. I grew up drinking skim milk. I did not actually drink whole milk until I was like 11 and I ordered it at a restaurant. I didn't know that that's how it could come. I still put ice in my skim milk because I always felt like milk was so watery anyway. You're a really enterprising person. Maybe you can get one or two people who can kind of be like the change agents. I'm not sure how willing they'll be to admit, though, if I am actually right. Mm. Yeah. Well, Jesse, I think I think now you're learning a, a, a tough but useful life lesson, which is that <laughs> very true. A lot of people don't like to admit when they're wrong. Mm. People might also go by the majority opinion. So here, here is what I think. I would agree with Brittany that you're a very enterprising person, and. I think that's also clear based on the fact that you were able to convince your teacher and the principal of your school to let you skip class to come on a podcast (laughs) to talk about milk. Here's another part of the story I didn't mention. 
the principal of the school is my mom. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. No plot twist. Yes. Major <laughs> plot twist, Jesse. You had us. You had us. Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I think you're right. I, here's the thing. Having the right thing at the right temperature at the right mm-hmm. moment is excellent. And a little bit of water, I agree, doesn't, doesn't like, you know, override that. I agree that you need to do some more testing and working kind of behind the scenes. I think you can yeah. really convince your class. Um, you've convinced me. I just met you. And I was on the fence about this whole thing. But the thing that also made me feel like you might have a point here is when I was in elementary school, they would give us cartons of milk, um, but our schools were, you know, a mess. And so I don't know what it was about our refrigerator, but they would always come out as blocks of ice. So we were often just peel the, (laughs) this is disgusting, but we would peel the carton off (laughs) and lick the functional milk ice cube. So, like, remembering that, I feel like, you know, live your truth. Put that ice in the milk. Go for it. My grandmother actually freezes her cartons of milk, like, intentionally. So then you have this, like, bizarre milk slushy. <laughs> My brother really likes it, but I, it's really weird in cereal. It's like, is that? <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> First of all, I agree with Eric and Brittany. Like, you know, here on The Sporkful, I often quote the Latin maxim, degustibus non est disputandum. In matters of taste, there can be no dispute. Mm-hmm. And if this is how you like your milk, then there's, it's not wrong. You know, this no. is just your taste. But we did a show years and years ago on The Sporkful about iced coffee. And we had a, an argument over the how much ice do you want in your iced coffee and the mm. issue of the ice melting too much and mm-hmm. watering down the coffee. And one of the suggestions to deal with that is coffee ice cubes. I would suggest, Jesse, you could try the same thing. Fill an ice cube tray with milk and use milk ice cubes. And then you get your ice cold milk without watering it down. That's a pro tip. That's That's such a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Milk ice cubes. That's that's genius. There you go. What, what, What do you think of this idea? I like it. I don't know, like, how willing, though, I'll be to, like, like, oh, in the future, I'm going to have one glass of milk with ice. Mm. So now I'm going to freeze ice cubes. But it's worth a try. All right. Well, Jesse, I think that does it uh, on our end. But if you would like to continue to stare at the screen with your headphones on and pretend like you're talking to us for another few hours <laughs> to stay at a, at a class, that's totally fine. <laughs> Good luck. Take care, Jesse. Good luck. Bye. See you. All right, Eric and Brittany, we got another call lined up. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We'll talk some more. You guys stick around. I'm on it. I'm here. It's time to open up a can of advertisements. Recently, I went into my closet to try to get a collared shirt out, and it occurred to me that I don't think I have bought a new collared shirt in five years. I mean, every shirt in there was either really old, or it had some kind of perma-stain situation, or it probably never fit right in the first place, I got to freshen up a little bit here. It's time for something new, right? And spring is coming. Now is the time if you've been looking to refresh your wardrobe, home, or skincare and beauty routines this season. Because, you know, Walmart has genuinely surprising style finds that don't break the bank. This spring, there's only one destination for the latest fashion, home, and beauty inspired by real life. Walmart. 
I freshened up my wardrobe. I got some nice dress shirts, a couple light hoodies. You know, you need light hoodies for the springtime. Very useful, very comfortable. Discover surprisingly stylish new season favorites at Walmart now or shop it all on the Walmart app. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending. Now trending your style at Walmart. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool, almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the choice hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. It's been chilly here in the Northeast lately, and we have been on a big grilled cheese dipped into tomato sauce kick here in the Pashman household. And I've been making the grilled cheese with Hero sliced bread. The kids like the Hero classic white bread. I like the Hero seeded bread. It's fluffy. The crust is just right. And I like that the slices are sliced just a little bit thicker than a lot of other sliced breads. You griddle it in butter. You add some cheese. You dip it in the soup. Phenomenal. And all the Hero breads are low in net carbs and they're high in fiber. All these Hero Breads are delicious and flavorful. They'll give you that soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. So whether you're making homemade grilled cheese, BLT, maybe a ew, tuna melt sounds nice on some Hero seeded bread. I bet that would be really good. Maybe you're doing sliders on the Hawaiian rolls. Whatever it is, Hero has the bread for you. Don't give up being a breadhead. And Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code SPORKFUL at checkout. That's code SPORKFUL at H-E-R-O dot C-O. I recently discovered a new cut of steak that I am in love with. It's called the Bavette Steak. Have you heard of it? It's also known as Flap Steak. It's a little bit thicker than a flank steak. It is long and flat and tender. It literally melts in your mouth, and I discovered it thanks to Good Chop. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered right to your door on your schedule. Good Chop especially prides itself on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. No artificial ingredients, only the good stuff. And they're introducing me to cuts and fish that I just didn't know about. Rockfish. I've heard of rockfish. I just never bought it at a fish market. They sent me some wild-caught rockfish. So go to goodchop.com slash sporkful120 and use code sporkful120 to get $120 off your first four boxes. That's code sporkful120 at goodchop.com slash sporkful120 for $120 off. One more time, goodchop.com slash sporkful120. Code Sporkful120. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. We had a great story for you in last week's show. I hope you make sure to check it out. It's a story with my friend Mandy Neglich as she tries to become the 20th Master Cicerone in the world. A Master Cicerone is like the beer equivalent of Master Sommelier. Now, Mandy's an award-winning home brewer. She's a beer writer and educator. And now she's been studying for more than two years for this test. 
passing it would mean a lot to her. It's definitely something that I feel like a lot of women go up against is like needing these certifications to prove that we're worthy. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing, but it is important to me. I think it's a nice thing to say, hi, I want to host your event and I am an expert and I'm one of only 20 in the world. In this episode, I also very selflessly offer myself up as Mandy's study buddy as she walks me through how to taste and identify different beers. You know, this is just what I do for my friends. All right, that episode's up right now. Find it wherever you got this one. Thanks. Okay, now back to my guests, Brittany Luce and Eric Eddings, co-hosts of the podcast for Colored Nerds. Welcome back, Eric and Brittany. I'm ready for the next call. I, who, who are we talking I, to I'm now? Shaking with anticipation. <laughs> All right, so on the line right now, we have Gotham in Nashville. Say hi to my friends, Brittany and Eric. Brittany, hi, Eric. Hey. I got him. And we also have Gotham's best friend, Aaron, on the line from LA. Hi, everyone. Hey, Aaron. All right, Gotham, get us started here. What's the issue? I'm excited to talk about my long-running dispute with my best friend, uh, mm -hmm. which started about 10 years ago when we took our first road trip. Uh, at that point, we had been friends for over a decade and decided that we would go from San Francisco to LA. And I did all this research. I asked friends who lived in different areas, like, where should we go to eat? Because eating is very important. You know, I presented Aaron with this sort of plan of how we were going to spend the week, at least in terms of food. Mm. And then at the end of the trip, I uh, remember we had this conversation where he mentioned sort of in passing and sort of usually on the snarky one. So with a little more snark than I anticipated, a comment that was basically like, well, you know, like you did, you did plan on this food and, um, you know, God forbid we go to like a chain restaurant or like a fast food place. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, we're on vacation. I'm not going to LA to like <laughs> eat at the Olive Garden. Uh, and then we took multiple trips after that for years. And I don't think we ever like really worked out like what we would do about this. I basically just continued to be me and be like, let us find the best place imaginable. And as with everything else, Aaron just sort of uh, semi-quietly went along with it. This feels close, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> this feels close. All right, Eric, pause that thought because I do want to come back to that. But first, I just want to make sure that we're understanding the issue here. So we've got two best friends who want to travel together, but they've got different ideas about how they want to eat on those trips, right? Gautam, you're saying you like to plan. You want to find all the best food out there. Aaron, I gather you're saying you want to keep things a little more casual. Is that right? So part of this dispute, I think, came out of the fact that I had shortly before we took this trip, I had done a road trip with my brother. And one of the kind of highlights of the trip was a stop at an Applebee's where we mm -hmm. happened to win a trivia contest and we got a free meal. Oh, Amazing. That's, so that's fun. This totally sort of serendipitous event that it turned out my brother had actually kind of planned to go to this place because he knew they were going to have a trivia contest. But, oh. you know, I don't know that we planned the trip around Applebee's in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, Aaron, what did you take from that experience? So I think for me, it was very much about the serendipity you kind of experience, especially in the setting of a road trip. I'm absolutely, you know, all for finding great food options. I do love food. But I also want to be able to sort of go with the flow of the trip. I want to be able to stop when I'm hungry. I want to be able to sort of pick a place where maybe it's about a weird experience as much as it is about like the real high quality food. Mm, it sounds like you guys are just oriented in two completely different 
places. Like even if you both really, really, really enjoy a great meal and a great dining experience, um, it sounds like, you know, Gautam, you might be the planner and Aaron, you might be somebody who's a little bit more open to serendipity and like the randomness that that traveling can bring about. Is do I have that right, or is am I mis- misreading? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, no one would ever call me flexible, like ever. Um, <laughs> um, you know, like Truth. I'm a gay Indian American lawyer, right? Like, there's just a schedule. There's like a Stalinist five year plan, and you know, we're just going to stick to it. <laughs> and Aaron, it sounds like though that's not the case for you. I pride myself on my adaptability, or my willingness mm. to kind of go with an experience. I want to meet people where they're at. I want to try places I haven't necessarily been and see what I like about them or find what I like about them. In the context of this trip, my priding myself on my adaptability uh, was, I think, maybe contrasted with with Gautam really wanting to present this kind of curated Mm -hmm. experience, this really refined experience. Gautam, can I ask you, so so when you two are on this road trip and you, you have this plan, you have uh, specific ideas about exactly where you want to go to eat. And Aaron is kind of resisting. How did that feel? I was a little surprised. I think in part because, um, I, growing up, like, you know, my parents, you know, they grew up on a farm in India and, you know, the idea of going to a restaurant was just not really something they dealt with. And when they came to the U S in the early seventies, I think for a while, you know, we had some fast food, but by the time I came around, I was the youngest. It wasn't really just part of what we did. We almost either had almost every meal at home mm-hmm. and then we would occasionally go out and it would be like, like to like nice places. Right. And I'm using scare quotes there because I think there's a lot of class and, and race encompassed in that, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize until a lot later. And, but, you know, I think also very strongly in my family and in my community, like food is love, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. get five mm-hmm. minutes without setting into some auntie's house without getting a bunch of pakora stuck in your mouth. And so <laughs> like the idea of like planning food, I think was also me being like, I will ask everyone I know, I will like spend all this time procrastinating on the internet. Looking it's for not places. procrastinating and if so, it brings a result. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> Eric, you were saying earlier that you felt that this this issue hit close to home for you. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, so I am the type of person who, uh, like, when I travel, if there's a, a Ruby Tuesdays or a Cheesecake Factory, I'm going. It's not always the most amazing food, but there's a level of consistency that can be, like, important that allows me to put my focus somewhere else. But I will say, and this is actually one of the few points— that I will give Brittany some praise is that wow. I think it actually was Brittany <laughs> who helped me when it came to traveling. She is the gay Indian lawyer who does all the research uh, <laughs> to find a list of five-star Yelp review restaurants. And I like, I must admit, my traveling experiences have been a bit better embracing a little bit of that tactic. Uh, yeah, I, I see some parallels <laughs> in the experience. I do like to research and know where there is to eat. I'm not great with like always scheduling things in advance. My older sister, who actually actually is also a lawyer um, and gay, I think she. Um, I mean, it happens. <laughs> she always has given us a 
schedule for everything with every family trip. She's really good about planning in advance, making reservations, counting, like thinking about travel time. Where's everybody coming from? I'm not great at that. I think that that's a superpower. What I'm hearing is like, kind of like a, um, not just a difference in preference, but also a difference in expression. Mm. I don't know. I don't even know if I really believe in the whole love languages thing because I think that like I need all four of the love languages <laughs> coming at me all the time. But it sounds like you guys might have some sort of fundamental difference in how you might express care and want to receive care. Did you understand, Aaron, this was Gotham's way of trying to do like create a nice experience for you? Like it may be imperfect, but it's his way what? of expressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, not to bring too much of our, our, you know, 25 years of being friends into this, but Gotham's an extremely talented cook and baker. He has in the past, mm. you know, made cookies, made cakes and sent them in the mail to me. I have felt uh, some difficulty in receiving these kinds of things sometimes because I'm not talented baker i'm not sending him baked goods in return it's like why are you sending me these things all the time i don't i i, I feel like there's this kind of imbalance in in uh, the, the the degree of giving we're showing to one another so i, I am a planner often especially around food so i can certainly understand your perspective got him like i remember a time right after college i was hanging out with my college friends we're all getting ready to go somewhere. I had planned like we were going to go. I don't know. We used to go bowling a lot. I think we were probably going going bowling. And they're all just chilling on the front steps. And you know, I look at my, my watch. I'm like, oh, we got to get going. I come out onto the front steps. And one of them looks up and immediately says, uh-oh, here comes the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ouch. Like, don't you understand? I just want us to all have a good time. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, like, sorry, <laughs> but like someone's going to be the grown up here or we're going to miss bowling. Mm. But, but like at the same time, they were all having fun sitting on the front steps and maybe we could have never gone bowling that day and it would have been also a perfectly lovely afternoon. So, Brittany and Eric, what are your thoughts on Gautam and Aaron's issue? Um, it's clear that you both care a lot about each other yeah. and you both care a lot about your friendship. And this has become a lot more emotional than yeah. I was originally anticipating. You know, it sounds like you're at a point where it's kind of like, oh, well, how can we kind of meet each other halfway? What I have found that works for me and that has worked like when traveling with a variety of people for work is have like a list and like put it in like a map, like Google Maps of places that we want to go. Have some places that are like non-negotiables, like everybody picks their non-negotiables, like we have to do this, we have to do this. And that could be food or an attraction. And then in between there, kind of keep it breezy so that if we're wandering around or if we're driving and then I see oh, we're near these places and they're on my map, then we can like go to one. You're trying to find a, a balance between the plan and the spontaneity. Yeah. You know, to your point, what's what's an hour in a Zaxby's really going to do to you? You know, like <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think plan probably, if you have four stops, you know, one of them you leave open and the other three, uh, you're stopping at great restaurants. Aaron, like, I think you, like rolling with that and seeing it as an act of service, I think gets you there. But I think, you know, for you, I think a lot of times you may be preoccupied with what to do back, but often you just really need to say like, man, I really appreciate you picking out a few of these restaurants. You know, I even have to give Brittany words of affirmation occasionally to to maintain 
uh, our friendship. <laughs> just uh, scraps, little pieces. Just you know, tell me about this. What is what is that like for you? How does that how does that happen? Just, <laughs> just enough. Just enough. I will say, on my last trip to Nashville, uh, mm-hmm. we did a stop at Bolton's Hot Chicken, and mm. it was completely worth it. And one of the greatest benefits I have had of Gotham's planning. Mm. Well, Ooh. I would say as a Memphian, I prefer Gus's, but I will say that is damn good. <laughs> so here's what I'll say. As someone who doesn't eat meat, my my go-to is just to bring all my white boy friends to Bolton's and watch them cry. Because it's <laughs> a, like, uh, a, a serious, like, just, there's been like at least four of them. It's it, it's a gift that I think all of us, uh, especially people of color, can really, you know, engage more with. Just, uh, just to watch how it happens. <laughs> I'm so glad I could give you that gift. You guys are amazing. I, I, I y'all, this is really y'all made me actually remember how much I actually I appreciate Eric. Wow, it, it, wanes, it wanes and waxes during the week. Well, you said something nice about me today. On That's record, right. I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm quaking. Oh, well, I think we've all made a lot of progress yeah, here there's today. There's like a group hug happening on Zoom yeah. right now. Yeah, virtual so. group hug. <laughs> Well, Aaron and Gautam, best of luck on your next road trip or gathering in L.A. or Nashville or wherever it is. And I hope you have some delicious planned meals and some delicious spontaneous ones. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. All right, Brittany Luce, Eric Eddings. The podcast is for colored nerds. You're both on social media too. Eric on Twitter, you're at E Eddings. Brittany, you're at BM Luce, L-U-S-E. Mm-hmm. And then on Instagram and Twitter, the show is at for colored nerds. You guys, I love your podcast and everything you do. It's been really great hanging out. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Yeah, seriously. I've had a blast. Next week on the show, I talk with comedian Margaret Cho about her struggles with an eating disorder. While you wait for that one, make sure you check out last week's show. It's the story of Mandy Neglich's attempt to become the 20th Master Cicerone in the world and only the fourth woman to hold the title. That one's up now. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producers... Andres O'Hara. And... Johanna Mayer. Additional editing help from... Corinne Wallace. Our editor is... Tracy Samuelson. The show is mixed by... Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney and Daisy Rosario. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Aaron in Albuquerque, New Mexico, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. <laughs>